coming up on this episode. But the thing with art is, I mean, maybe people consider you a master at what you do, but you never like plateau as, as an artist. You never get to a point where you're like, okay, I've done all there is to do and I've learned all there is to learn. Mm. You know, with, with art, it's like constant progression. You look at any artist anywhere in the world of, of whatever genre, you look at their body of work and you could watch the progression from beginning to end, mm. you know? And, and uh, that's why people who are really passionate about art um, can stick with it for so long because you never, you never reach an end. You're listening to the Pursuit of Purpose podcast. Wisdom, stories, and advice from successful entrepreneurs and inspirational people. Thank you, everybody, for joining us on this episode. We actually set a couple records. This is the longest podcast to date, uh, nearly two hours. So you're going to want to be buckled in for a long car ride and or listen to this one at uh, 1.5 times the speed or 2x the speed. Um, this one was with Ryan Dyer. He is a professional photographer and image creator. He is a wizard in Photoshop. Um, so um, as you're getting into this podcast, I would strongly recommend that you go check him out on Instagram, Ryan Dyer. That's R-Y-A-N-D-Y-A-R. Um, just so you can get a taste of the photos that this guy creates. It is literally um, just very, very, very impressive. Uh, so take a look at that. I did also want to give a couple shout outs to some listener questions that we had on this episode. Um, Natalie, my wife, uh, for chipping in and throwing in a question. And also Anthony Johnson over from Rome uh, had a great question that we get to in this podcast as well. Uh, for everyone else listening, please follow me on Instagram. You can find me on there. Uh, Chris Kiefer and the handle is pursuitofpurpose.pod. And um, yeah, just this was a super a ton of fun and I uh, can't wait for you guys to hear it. And then uh, stay tuned at the end. We did our first ever bonus content. Uh, after I got done recording, there was one more question that I remembered that I wanted to talk to Ryan about, which is comp stomping. So if you're curious what that is, you can stay tuned after the, uh, the end credits. Um, but yeah, enjoy. Today, I am talking with Ryan Dyer. Ryan, thanks for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me, man. Yeah, and Ryan is... Uh, I have, I'm going to, I mean, he, he may not be the best photographer in the world, but I'm going to say that he's the best photographer in my world, at least that I've ever spoken to directly. Your his photos. If you haven't seen on Instagram, Ryan Dyer, Ryan and D Y A R, uh, they are just incredible. Um, so Thanks, man. yeah, I'm, yeah. I may be top 100,000 photographers of all time. That's pretty, Maybe. that's like, that's yeah. like top, like high, what is that? Like one tenth of 1% you're in like that elite class. That's for sure. I I, I'm right. I'm right in the same class as most people who buy their first camera. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm okay with the camera. Be, and, yeah, if I'm, that's I'm the really, case, I was going to say you're, then you're probably the top, like in the top 100 of most humble people in the world. So it's either one of the two, I would say. Uh, humble or, <laughs> or realistic. I don't know. Right, right. Who knows? Um, well, so for everyone listening, my, um, my, this is the first episode of 2019. Um, I am, there's going to be a couple podcast episodes that are still dripping out that I recorded earlier. Um, but, uh, this is, uh, um, 
yeah, I'm just excited. And my new strategy for this is uh, reaching out to people like Ryan um, that have uh, significantly bigger followings than I do on Instagram, which mine's basically zero because uh, I've had a really hard time with Instagram and just never really liked it. I hated it for a while. And um, yeah, so I appreciate your kindness in reaching out to a lowly uh, Instagram noob like myself. Nah, dude, <laughs> I, I hated Instagram for the longest time and I still kind of do. It's one of those necessary evils for, for my job. But uh, yeah, I, I kind of started to figure Instagram out a little bit with the help of some of my friends who've got like, you know, half a million followers, a million followers. And, and uh, they, they were just like, just post every single day if you can do it. And I was like, mm. Oh God, that's so annoying. So I did it. And then like, I don't know, in the first year I jumped from like, of like really caring about it. I jumped from like 25,000 to like 75,000 followers. Wow. So Yeah. But then I was like, Oh God, I just, I can't stand that much self promotion. I, mm. I feel like a, like a jerk promoting myself that much. So I backed what's off your of cadence. It a yeah. Bit. What's your cadence now? Uh, maybe once a week, twice a week, you know, okay. and, and it's never, I don't try to really promote myself as much as I used to, you know, mm -hmm. now, now it's more just having fun with an audience and keeping people engaged and, and, uh, just not, not like promoting something that's going to make me money every time I post, you know? Right, right, right. That's interesting. So basically, uh, you, and maybe I kind of feel like, or at least from what I've heard or what I want to believe, what you're doing now is kind of the best way to do it at all times. I just think that sometimes early early in the process, people, and I don't know if you're saying this is maybe where you were at too, we kind of fall into the trap of, or panicking that we need to make some sort of income. And uh, we're, you know, rather than just being and entertaining or engaging on whatever yeah. you know platform you're in. Is that, do you kind of agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, the reason I really started focusing on, on Instagram and social media numbers in general was, you know, to grow my potential customer base hmm. and, you know, it, it did help for sure. I mean, just because you have a hundred thousand followers on Instagram, like I do, does not mean it's necessarily going to make you any money. Right. You know, you, tell, you have to have a solid product to sell. And, you know, for me, that's teaching photography to others. Mm. And so, you know, it's, it's good advertising, you know, when you've got a bigger number, but at the same time, it doesn't matter if you have a hundred thousand followers and 90% of them don't give a shit about you. So, right. Right. You know, I, I try to, I try to make sure people like who I am and, mm -hmm. Not not just my photos and you know what I have to offer them, but maybe they think I'm a decent guy and won't click the unfollow button. <laughs> um, so why don't uh, I mean, unlike I've heard you on a couple other podcasts that are in the photography world, um, this is my audience is definitely going to be probably outside of your sphere of influence currently, which yeah, probably, um, yeah. hopefully will be a good thing. Um, but yeah, why don't you just kind of give a rundown of who you are and, um, I'm sure they can, uh, poke around on your website or Instagram while you're kind of explaining what it is that um, you do. I'm Ryan. I'm how old am I now? 35. Um, I'm a four time college dropout, uh, who got laid off during the recession here in the States and struggled to find work and 
decided to try to do, you know, what I'm good at for a living, which is photography. So here I am, I don't know, 10 years later, still trying to figure it out. So, but it's, it's going well. I mean, business is, is good. So I'm, I'm, I'm happy, but yeah, I mean, that's me in a, in a nutshell, I guess. How you said, so that's an interesting, uh, four-time college dropout, yep. um, laid off in the recession when like, obviously, and again, it's just really hard to explain in audio something that's, I mean, your, your work being obviously extremely visual, uh, but for people that like, I just, you really have to like see some of the work that Ryan's talking about and you would agree with what I'm about to say, which is it's very hard to comprehend how someone that has the talent that you have, um, like it took so long to discover it, if that's the right way to say it. Yeah. Um, I didn't really find photography until there's like a pivotal moment in my life where I was going down this really horrible road and I got my life back on track and photography was kind of the, the new thing in my life when I kind of took a new direction <clears throat> when I took a new direction. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's changed everything about me. When, like when you were, I'm trying to think like, what are some of the, or maybe two questions. First one, when, what is the earliest time like the first memory you have of you actually taking a photo on regardless of what camera it was on? Um, high school photography class, which okay. I, uh, I skipped class like every day and I thought photography was really lame and I cheated and passed the class. And uh, now my friends make fun of me that I do it for a living. So. <laughs> and so after that, you basic did you like still, I'm assuming you, you know, took photos. Maybe there is some natural talent there that you didn't really foster for a little while. Um, but after the class, did you can like, was it, was it like a hobby that you were kind of doing on the side and not really telling anyone or no, after once in a while? I mean, after right. that high school photography class, I just, I never thought about photography again until I got a camera as a gift and, you know, had this big void in my life that I needed something to do. Mm. And, uh, I just thought, okay, well let's travel and take pictures, you know? So, and so, and this is the other thing that I always obsess about is the beginning, the starting out of something. Um, can you kind of like, I don't know where you want to start in this, but the thing that is, I think easier and not that it is easier for you to do. I'm sure you're still like, like tinkering and trying to figure out ways to continue to have this passion or this, yeah, this skill sure. be a, uh, like way of life or provide for your life. But yeah. initially what was like, what was it like? Or was there, do you remember any like critical, like pivot points where you were doubting yourself or thinking that this wasn't going to work? Or even when you were like, Hey, I don't have a job. Maybe I could like show some people how to take photos or something like what, what, when were the, what were those key points early on? Well, early on building this career, when I first started it, it wasn't even my idea. My wife and I were in a pretty heated argument. You know, I'd, I'd been laid off from work and we weren't married back then. We were just, you know, still living together as boyfriend, girlfriend type of deal. But I was, I was really going through a lot of depression over not being able to find work and, you know, not being able to provide and, and, you know, her being the, the sole breadwinner in, in our family, which, you know, 
men have a hard time getting past that sometimes. And, you know, I didn't, I didn't take it very well. And, and so we were kind of going through this and she was the one who said, well, why don't you try to do photography? You know, you're good at it. You love it. You know, you're even back then I was still, I guess, kind of popular in my industry. Um, and I initially told her like, you're being ridiculous. This could never work. And she just said, try it, you know, give it a few months, try it. So I just started brainstorming ideas and teaching was, was the one avenue I knew where I'd made a little bit of money on the side doing it before. So I just focused on that and really pushed on that for about a year. And then every year since that argument we had, um, businesses, you know, doubled, tripled, you know, gotten better. Um, so yeah, all credit to my wife for, for making that happen actually. And so what you, or you said you were relatively popular when this discussion was happening. So you did, was it Instagram the whole time that was the kind of this, this like window into, oh, maybe, maybe it could grow even more. Yeah. I mean, Instagram was around, it was definitely not what it is today when, uh, when I first started, but it was what, you know, websites like, uh, Flickr and there's another photography website website called 500 PX and there's Facebook and, you know, different photography forums all over the internet. And so, you know, I, I wasn't like a super popular photographer, but you know, in my industry, I was, I was known and and respected. Hopefully I Mm. I would imagine I was, but I could be totally off base there. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, I mean, social media had, if, if it weren't for social media, uh, I probably wouldn't have a career because I'm not the type of guy to like go knock on doors and, you know, walk into businesses and, you know, Hey, I'm a photographer. Let, let me offer you my services. That's just not me. So, um, yeah, learning to utilize social media has made my career possible. I think. Mm. Did So did you make like, even if it was like $10, like had you made any money prior to this argument that you and your girlfriend had gotten into? Yeah. Some on the side, like, you know, I'd, I'd get contacted every now and then by people saying, Hey, can you instruct me for a day, you know, out shooting, or can you um, teach me a few things in Photoshop? And, you know, I'd, you know, make 50 bucks here, you know, 500 bucks there, but I never took it seriously. It was, Mm. It was just kind of, you know, I'd get an email and I considered it like this, you know, nice little, you know, windfall of cash on the side every now and then. But, uh, you know, it wasn't something I really took seriously at all. And this whole time that you were doing that on the side, you had, what was the, like, what industry or what job did you have before? Uh, it was a, it was a design firm. Not that I did design. I, I was like a paper pusher at a design place. I sat at a cubicle. I gotcha. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, because, and I guess the reason I'm like digging so hard into this part is because, and one of the things you said actually is resonates very strongly with me, and that is, um, have be as a man in today's world, um, just the whether or not it's politically correct is another thing to, in my opinion, because it's how I feel. Um, for like when my wife and I got married, we've been married for almost five years now. But in the beginning, I was working and she was in school. So I was the quote unquote breadwinner. And that yeah. you know, feels good as a man. I was like happy about that. Yeah, it's kind um, of ingrained in us. Yeah. Right. And then um, I started my own company, which was a um, 
marketing company um, hired, you know, some other young millennials to be a part of this. And it was good. It was never anything um, massively successful. Technically, that's it's still the company that I own today, mm-hmm. where it, but it's changed greatly. And now I'm the sole employee again. Yeah. Um, but my wife is now working as a physical therapist and she is by far the breadwinner even and at um a year ago when we had my daughter our first child Ellie um we like it flopped where i was now basically a stay-at-home dad yeah and uh that was like it was cool at, on like when i really would think about it but then i couldn't get past the fact that like i uh, and Natalie was more like, it was just like, it made sense. She was in a contract that was for a set mm-hmm. period of time. She had to work and I just couldn't, I don't know. I, it was very unsettling to me that I wasn't even, it didn't even, wasn't that I had to make more, but I was like hardly contributing at all to our quote unquote family, or I should say quote unquote contributing to our family, um, monetarily that is. Um, yeah, and th- th- those are those gender roles that we have to kind of get past, right? As, as men, you know, and I, I can kind of relate because you know my wife works a, a nine to five at a you know a, a sales job, and and uh, you know so she's out all day, and I work from home, you know when I'm not traveling, you know I'm I'm here at home working from my home office, and you know I'm the the stay at home dad for the most part, you know, so that's something that has gotten easier with time. Once I, once I got past my, my own like male weirdness. Yeah. Yep. Like, you know, I have to be the man out there working and making the money and, and all that. But, right. But, you know, we've, we found a balance now and, you know, now I'm back, you know, making sig- significant money again. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean like, uh, I make a ton of money. Right. But, you know, I, back I, I to where you were before. Money. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it makes significant money and I get to stay at home and, you know, be the stay at home dad. And, you know, we, we've just fallen in, into place and into how our little family works. And, you know, I think we, right. we've all gotten used to it when we're happy now. So, and I think that's an important thing is that there's so much of it. Um, and for me too, so much of it was, and is still like any sort of that, the, like there's these, um, I guess I would say projections that we put on ourselves uh, yeah. that we think other people are thinking or like, you know, I don't know. When you really unpack them, they kind of dissipate and just dissolve very quickly. But the for problem sure. for me was I never like thought about it any deeper than like, man, I'm just like pouting that I'm not bringing in more money. When yeah. It's like, yeah, but you're taking care of a child who is very gracious and, and glad, even though she can't tell me that she's like developing a bond with her dad, you know, but I couldn't see that. Which a a lot of dads miss out on, you know? And, and if roles were reversed and you were out and your mom, your wife was a stay at home mom, you wouldn't think anything differently about her. You know, it's just that male thing in us that, Mm that we have to realize like, Hey, being a stay at home dad is contributing. Right. Right. So, yeah. Jumping into another topic, I've heard you say um, on another podcast you were on that you don't want your life to be all about photography. Kind of, kind of dive into that. And um, is that a new feeling, or is that something that you've had for a while? Or are you kind of investigating or exploring that a little more? Yeah, that's that's a new thing. I'm kind of unpacking, like you said, you know, all these little things we have to unpack in ourselves. Um, I mean, for the longest time, I was all about like 
my, my whole life was photography. I mean, when I first got into photography and kind of took that new path in life, um, several, several, several years ago, like I was, I was almost living out of the back of my, my SUV and just traveling around shooting. Like everything I did was related to photography. You know, I'd, I'd be putting miles on the, on the truck and sleeping in the back of it and at a different national park, you know, every day. And, and, uh, and then I met, the woman who is now my wife uh, through photography. And so she, she does photography as a hobby and she kind of does it on the side as well. Um, so she's getting into that, you know, kind of um, exploring the business end of it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so me being so wrapped up in photography and then eventually getting married to another photographer, like it's easy for everything in my life to be photography related, mm-hmm. you know, cause that's what I do for a living. That's what, that's what our vacations are. You know, my wife, my wife and I don't go on vacation. We go, okay, well, where are we going to go photograph? Right. Um, and so it becomes a lot like, and so lately I'm trying to go, okay, well, where does photography fall in my life? Um, and something that happened when I started doing it for a living was, you know, once, once it became the way, I pay my bills and keep a roof over my family's head. It became less of a passion and more of a, a, a necessity, which Mm. can kind of change the way you feel about it. Right. And so I'm trying to get past that a little bit to where if I, if I let go of photography a little bit, I'll enjoy it more. Like if I don't put so much strain on, on my, performance as as an artist then uh some of that pressure will go away and and you know i I can enjoy going out shooting and you know i i don't have to dread going to another country you know i can enjoy it again like sometimes you know i go on these trips i'm like oh man the the week leading up to it i'm like oh god i can't believe i've got to be gone for my family for three weeks doing this and and uh so i'm trying to it sounds weird, but I'm trying to care less about photography so that I can enjoy it again. Mm. Not that I don't enjoy it, but I can enjoy it like I used to. Mm. And the fact that, you know, being, you know, a little bit known in my industry, um, it's nice when, when people know you and, and, uh, people are, Oh, that's, that's Ryan Dyer. That's, you know, that's who he is. That, is cool at first. And then at the end you're like, okay, well when I die and you know, people are at my funeral, are they going to be saying Ryan Dyer was such a great photographer or are they going to be like, Oh, Ryan Dyer was a great husband, you know, father, friend, you know, if, if I die and people are talking about my photography at my funeral, I don't feel like I've led the best life I can, Mm. you know? And so I, I went off on a bunch of tangents there, but yeah, I'm just kind of, trying to separate myself from my photography a little bit more because it's just more enjoyable that way. Right. And well, the couple comments on that, I think, first of all, it is important to, or at least in my opinion, it is completely fine for someone like yourself to say, yeah, I do want to be known as, you know, Ryan, the great photographer. There's nothing wrong with that. But um, I think what's notable is uh and there's also nothing wrong with someone with your skills to say i'd rather be known for like something that's more meaningful to me which i also um 
you have thought about. But what I think yeah. is more important that some people don't do is just what you're talking about, thinking about the end, like in the end, what really yeah. matters. And yeah. uh, I think just for everybody to spend, I don't know, there's not, I don't know if there is a, an appropriate amount of time, but I think it's a lot more than we think on, you know, what is the, um, there's the the book Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. I don't know you, what you're saying makes me think a lot of that book. I don't know if you've read that. I haven't. Um, but there's one habit supposedly that um, the author talks about, and that is effective people or highly effective people start with the end in mind. And one of the exercises that he has you go through in this book is to imagine that you walk into um, you know this funeral ceremony. And you go up to pay your respects to the person in the casket and you get up there and you realize it's you and you're, you know, getting to witness your own funeral. And then all of a sudden the person comes up and starts giving the eulogy and you have to imagine what is that person going to like, what do I want that person to say? Like the whole speech yeah, about it, me. Yeah, exactly. You know? Yeah. And I think that's something that, uh, I, that's like my, believe it or not, just the, I'm glad you brought that up because that's like one of my favorite uh, interview questions when I've been interviewing people yeah. <laughs> for jobs is to just sit, ask them like, what do you want people to say about you at your funeral? And some people think it's kind of like a grim uh, or morbid question, but I think of it more, it's just like an insight into someone's personality, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's, What's it's kind of, you know, what do you want your biography to say? You know, I, I don't, I don't think it's a morbid thing for sure, but uh, yeah, like for me, I mean, photography is not really that important in the world. Like, I mean, I, I get that, you know, I get to help teach people, you know, photography and, and, you know, grow their, their love and skill set for, you know, something they're passionate about. And, you know, that I guess impacts people a little bit, but at the end of the day, like me taking these dumb photos of mountains doesn't really matter, you know? Mm. So I don't want that to be like the impact of, the only impact I've made in the world. Right. You know, do you, do you, what impact, uh, cause I think it's, there's like a, a duality or like a both and that you have to, that you probably do have, but I would argue that it, I think it does make an impact. Uh, just, a I don't know what, what, like, what is the good that you are, um, contributing to the world through photography? Through photography. I mean, I guess, you know, I teach a lot of people photography and, and, you know, photo editing and things like that. And that makes me feel good because I'll, you know, I'll get emails from people saying, you know, how much I've helped them. And, you know, they, they're super stoked on the skills I teach them, which makes them happier in their hobby or, you know, their, their pursuit of art and photography, you know, so that's, I guess, an impact, um, you know, Another impact w would be environmental issues, um, you know, donating mm. images to to um, environmental conservation foundations, things like that, um, and just you know raising awareness of of uh, you know protecting these beautiful lands that that us Americans get to call home, and you know beautiful lands abroad. Um, but otherwise, I mean, I I don't think my photography makes that much of an impact on the world. Um, it, it, you know, deeply, you know, right. Well, it is, from... I mean, it's beautiful. It's like, yeah. uh, you know, the, it's, I guess in a weird way, what I would say for me, I look at places, there's some of the photos 
And it's just like, man, I can't like, it, it's amazing to me w- the places that exist out there um, that sure. I have not seen or never even you know, like didn't even imagine that there was, you know, places that looked like this. Um, yeah. But yeah, they're awesome. And I feel like that's a, in some way, I mean, I guess if, if someone is just like sitting and looking at photos for the sake of looking at photos, that obviously I'm not sure where that leads, but to me, it, the photos that I've seen of yours are like inspiring and just kind of like, wow, man, like there's just some sweet, sweet places that I want to go explore. Um, so anyways, that for what it's worth, that's my opinion well, is that there's, you. there's more than just, um, like, Hey, nice photo, man. <laughs> you know, it's, there's yeah. like a, it's a symbol or like an image of something that's, um, needs to be discovered or explored or seen yeah. in person or whatever. Well, and then one could argue that, you know, the landscape itself is doing all the work and I'm just the asshole who's there pointing a camera at it, you know? So, <laughs> you know, um, yeah, I mean, I, I can kind of see what you mean. And, and I felt that way a lot too, when I first got into photography and first, you know, like I got into sh- shooting, you know, nature photography, but I wasn't like, I wasn't totally bit by the bug until I started looking at other photography online. Mm. Um, we were like, Whoa, like there's people out there doing crazy things with a camera mm. and I'm sitting here, you know, just kind of point and clicking it at, at, you know, crappy stuff. And so that's, that's when I really kind of got bit by the photography bug was looking at other people's stuff. So, yeah, I mean, I, I guess there is the impact in that way of like, you know, inspiring other people. Right, right. So yeah. that actually is a perfect lead in. There are two um, listener questions that I got, one from Natalie in Oregon and then another one from uh, Anthony, who's a former employee of mine. Sorry, Natalie's. Um, so do you, uh, do you seek out other, is there specific sites for photos that you go to or do you just do like a lot of outdoor adventuring um, and to, as far as like in finding inspiration goes. Yeah, I think, I think a lot of photographers in this genre of like nature and landscape photography, when you first get started, um, you, you see photos you like, you go, Oh, I want to go make that photo. Mm. You know, you, you see a certain mountain and you go, Oh, I, I need to go there and shoot that, you know, because this photo I saw of it looks so awesome. I want to, I want to make that. Um, but then as you evolve, uh, I'm to the point now where I don't necessarily, you know, see a photo online and go, Oh, I want to make that photo. You know, I'm, I'm much more interested in finding new places or, you know, not even new places, but maybe going to a place that's known and putting my own spin on it. Right. Right. Um, or, or like my, my, uh, buddy miles and I, a photography friend of mine, he and I will sit on Google earth for hours looking at like different canyons in the desert Southwest where we can, you know, go flyer drones and shoot mm. uh, the aerial images. And uh, yeah. So lately it's more about getting out and finding new places to shoot, um, finding new ways to shoot places we've already been to. Um, but yeah, I mean, I've always equated it to like uh any other type of art. Like, for example, when I, when I first started playing the drums, when I was younger, I didn't, I didn't start playing the drums by writing my own, you know, 
my own drum music. I I sat on and I played like my favorite songs on the drums, mm. you know. And once once you get proficient at, at playing the instrument, then you go on to like writing music. It's kind of the same way with most art. I feel like, especially mm. photography, where you start photography. At least this is how it was for me. I started photography and I just kind of did what I saw other people doing. Right. And then now it's it's gotten to the point where I'm like. Okay, I want to I want to find my own way, you know, and that's that's been where I'm at like the past six years. Is let's try to find my own way of doing things. Right. I would say, and again, I'm I wouldn't say that I'm in. Well, I part of me thinks that everybody's an artist and something. Just have to figure out what exactly that is. I'm probably lean more towards like Excel sheets <laughs> as far as <laughs> artistry goes. As weird as that is, yeah. but. Uh, my, but I guess I feel like what you're talking about is like the craftsman has to master his tools. Um, and yeah. like, you know, whether you are playing a guitar, like you have to figure out every, you know, angle and sound and pitch and like thing about the guitar before you can yeah. really start doing interesting things with it on your own. Um, yeah, you're not going to pick up a guitar and, you know, write your first song having never played it before. Right, yeah, right. It's it's definitely that master the craft sort of sort of thing. But the thing with art in my opinion is is you'll never, I mean, maybe people will consider you a master at what you do, but you never like plateau as as an artist. You never get to a point where you're like, "Okay, I've done all there is to do and I've learned all there is to learn." You know, with art, it's like constant progression. You look at any artist anywhere in the world of, of whatever genre, you look at their body of work and you could watch the progression from beginning to end, mm. you know? And, and uh, that's the fascinating thing about art for me is like, I'll, I'll never get bored with photography because there's always more to do, more to learn, more to try, you know, with, you know, some like, video games like you just play it from beginning to end and then you're done like, right you know that's a bad analogy i guess but um, <laughs> I, I i have a lot of video game analogies um, but um yeah i mean you, you it's just this constant progression and you'll for sure like have peaks and valleys in there where like you'll be you'll be at a point where you love your work and like you're super excited on what you're doing and then a month later, you're like, I hate everything I've ever done. I suck at this. I want to throw it all away. Mm. Um, and then, you know, you pull yourself out of that. It's like writer's block, I guess. But uh, um, yeah, I mean, th that's why people who are really passionate about art um, can stick with it for so long because you never, you never reach an end, you know? Right, right. That's you. Just the last thing you said, writer's block. I've heard writers say how they like strategies to get out of writer's block, but we'll call this photographer's block. How do you? Yeah. Uh, what tactics do you have? And I guess it's to me what all whether it's writers or whatever your profession is. It, we're talking about getting like finding creativity when it seems like we can't or it's like it's not flowing. What are your strategies to? like like constantly stay tapped into that as best you can. Yeah. So first off, I think going through, at least for me, like a photographer's block is probably the thing that helps me most in, in my progression of art. Um, 
you know, because it's pulling yourself out of that ditch. I always come out of it on the other side being more inspired or thinking in a different way, trying new things. You know, it's what gets me in the block to begin with is just becoming stagnant in what I'm doing. Mm. And so, you know, once you get out of it, you're out of it being not stagnant and not disappointed in, in your work. Uh, for me, it's, it's looking at a lot of other art, not necessarily photography, but like, um, you know, a lot of, uh, a lot of painters, like I've, I've said this for a long time. If, if I could paint, I'd throw my camera out the window, but mm. I, you know, I'm not talented enough to paint. Um, so I do photography instead, but I'll look at it, you know, a lot of painters work, um, Thomas Moran and Albert Bierstadt, you know, the, the luminous painters of the Hudson river school of, of painters in the 1800s. Um, that stuff really inspires me. And so, you know, you just start deep diving in art in general. And normally you, you get a little bit more rein, reinvigorated, I guess. Mm. So that's actually the, you almost, almost answered Anthony's question. That's um, crazy. Anthony was, um, his question was, is there a painting? And I think he's wondering like a specific, he says, is there a painting or another work of art outside of photography that influenced your approach to taking photos? And I'm, I don't Absolutely. know if like specifically if there's a specific work yep. of art that you're like, there's Oh, definitely specific one. It's called among this, among the Sierra Nevada by Albert Bierstadt. Google it. That to me is like, that's, that's what I want to do with a camera. Mm. You know, if, if I could paint, I'd, I'd be doing stuff like that. Um, but yeah, the, the guy is an absolute legend and just genius when it comes to using atmosphere and light, um, as, as a subject, you know, he's, he's got mountains and lakes and things like that in his photos, but, um, the whole luminous movement that he was a part of was use, using light as the main subject. And so that's something that I try to do in my work now, mm. um, is, is, you know, it's nice to have a pretty mountain in there. But the light is is what draws you in. That is, I'm looking at this now. That is incredible. And did yeah. is there a place that like can you go to this location and does it look similar to this, or is he kind of taking some creative liberties in in altering this like Sierra Nevada scene? Yeah, so it's it's all more inspired by the Sierra Nevadas than it is uh, an actual place you can go to. Okay, um, which those painters got a lot of shit for that back in the day for not, you know, keeping true to the scene. Mm. And that's, that's what happens nowadays with photographers. Like, you know, there's the whole, um, you know, how much Photoshop should go into an image and, you know, there's li liberals and conservatives on either side of that fence. And there's, you mm. know, people who are, uh, you know, more, more on the fence than on either side of it. But I mean, any in industry has, the liberal and conservative view in it. Right. And I don't think either side is wrong. I just think people like to argue to argue. Right. <laughs> exactly. You know, right. No, and I, I've, that's one of the things I've noticed. And I glanced at a couple of the, um, little teaser clips that you had, um, released on YouTube, I think of your courses that kind of shows yeah. like a sort of a time lapse of you working, and that's mm -hmm. something that I have that I think is like, uh, I mean, in a way, and maybe that's why the Albert Bierstadt is um, an inspiration for you. I feel like you're kind of, it's kind of the modern day painting 
is uh, you, you're just using different paint brushes um, because it is incredible to see how you can, um, I mean, I'm, I guess the negative way, maybe this would be the conservative statement, it's you altering the image. But mm-hmm. I would say that, yeah, whatever. But really what you're doing is you're just creating um, something. Like, And I guess the only, in my opinion, the only reason that someone could be mad about what you're doing is if you were claiming that it was like an actual photo, <laughs> like, Oh yeah, no filter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah but that's not yeah, what you're doing. That's the, that's the thing is that's kind of the moderate view is, you know, do whatever the hell you want to your images, but you know, be upfront about it. You know, don't, don't claim something and, you know, mislead <laughs> a viewer. Um, I, I sometimes, most of the time I'm, I'm with that moderate view. Sometimes I'm a little bit more liberal where I'm like, you know, well, nobody should have to defend anything they do with a camera. You know, I I mean, there's exceptions there. Um, (laughs) Let me, let me, let me re-say anybody who's taken landscape photography, you shouldn't ever have to defend any, anything you choose to do with your art. I, I mean, there, there's no art police out there. I mean, but I, you know, I believe that, but myself, I hold to the more moderate view of, you know, I'll be upfront with, with how you create your images and don't try to mislead people into thinking, you know, Hey, this is exactly what it's going to look like when you go stand right there. Like, you know, I'll, I'll put emphasis on atmosphere and light in my images and, and kind of, you know, clone things out. And if, if there's some, you know, nasty looking tree stump in the, in the mid ground of the photo, I'm, I'm like, okay, I'll take that out. Um, but I, you know, I'm fairly open about it. I mean, I, I make my living teaching people how to do that. So I don't know why some people claim that, that uh, I'm the devil and, <laughs> and, I, and I mislead people because I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm a super open book type of guy, right? I'll show people exactly what goes into my photos for, for a moderate charge. Mm -hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, there's, there's, there's arguments on either side of the fence and I understand all the arguments, but at the end of the day, I'm like, you know, one, who really cares? Like if, if there's a photo, you know, that's been faked going across you know, the news, I'm like, sure. Yeah. That's, that's crossing a boundary. But as far as like creating some, you know, little dinky photo, that's going to, you know, be seen on Instagram for five seconds while somebody's sitting on the toilet. Um, I really don't think it matters. So right, right. some people, some people need to let it go a little bit. But. Yeah. It's art. Um, yeah. at the end of the day. Yeah. So, but yeah, yeah, that's interesting. I, it's though our, I guess the thing that is, uh, proves the point that uh, your statement, which I agree with as far as people just want to argue about stuff. Looking at this photo from Albert Bierstadt, I'm just like, that is just, that is talent. That is freaking impressive. And like, yeah. that's all that I see. But it's, uh, I guess, not surprising that back then in what is this, 1868, yeah. that other painters were like, hey, man, like, that's not, you have to, you know, paint the yeah. tree the way it looks. Like, you can't do that. He but, was really controversial. Right. That's interesting. Know. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, the, the, the controversy 
dies down and people, you know, become more open-minded as, as they go throughout life and the times change. And, you know, now he's looked at like a legend, you know, right, no, right. No, nobody, nobody now goes, Oh my gosh, it's so, so controversial. Right. And, you right. know, everybody's like, yeah, dude's a legend. Right. So cool. Um, so let's see. Um, I heard, I've heard you mention that um, one of the things that you are really focusing on um, in the recent past is uh your mental health. Yeah. Tell me, tell me a little bit about that. That's very intriguing to me. Um, okay. Well, open book. So when I, the reason I got into photography and I don't think I've ever said this publicly. So, um, the, when I got into photography is because I, I, uh, got off a pretty bad opiate addiction and, uh, you know, so that was kind of the start of my mental health, um, journey. And, you know, that's, that's when I got into photography and started just traveling and taking photos and, and doing something positive with my life. Mm. Not that I was a, you know, a homeless person, you know, robbing stores for, for drugs. Um, you know, I, I, I was still a good guy, but I started trying to focus on bettering myself and uh, getting healthy and, and having something I'm truly passionate about, about in life. And, uh, and that that kind of journey of bettering myself, I guess, hasn't ended. Mm. Um, you know, the, and I deal a lot with with uh, you know mental illness as far as you know depression and and social anxieties and bipolar disorder and all sorts of crap. And then maybe I'm oversharing, but uh, you, you know, it's just something that that uh, I think is super important to me as a husband and a father and um, a business owner and a teacher and all these things to keep focusing on how to be a better version of myself. I don't know that I'll ever be the best version of myself, mm. but uh, you know, the, even, even people who don't go through mental health issues or, or addiction, things like that. Um, I think it's it's good for everybody to consider how to how to be a better version of themselves. You know, if if you're not thinking about it, then you know that that's fine. Maybe you you absolutely love who you are. Um, I don't necessarily love who I am at, at all times, mm. and so I actively try to think about what could I be doing to you know make me a better husband. Um, a better father, a better artist, you know, all this stuff and use those things to kind of combat some of the, you know, crappy parts about my brain and personality, you know? Mm. No, I mean, honestly, I just commenting on your statement about whether or not you're oversharing. I think this is, um, my sister, she was the second person I interviewed on this podcast. Um, she was in the news for many years and she, um, struggled with bulimia for a long, I don't think it was like 10 years or something. And she, her husband didn't even know about it. Um, and, uh, there, I guess the thing that's interesting that I just want to note is she has, um, recently become really passionate about this, uh, um, well, she's not passionate about this particular Netflix series, but there's a series on Netflix called the kindness diaries. I don't know if you've heard of that. Um, no, I haven't seen it. But it's by this guy, um, Leon Logothetis, and uh, he apparently um, 
really encourages people. He now goes around and speaks to like um, high schools and, and elementary schools and encourages people to share their pain because um, when you share your pain, I can't remember exactly how he phrases it, but basically it's the, um, it is like a pathway to happiness and or um, like authentic uh, friendship, I guess. Um, and mm-hmm. how you, it's how you're kind to people by being, um, being honest about the pain that you've had to, um, endure or keep private or secret or whatever. Um, but no, I think that's, that's, um, it's very, uh, courageous, I think, to, to state things like that. Um, yeah, well, I mean, it can, like for the longest time I, like, I just recently decided to like start talking about it because, uh for the longest time I'm like, Oh, well, you know, th- there's a stigma attached to it. I don't want people to, to be like, Oh, Brian needs to be addicted to opiates. Oh my gosh. Right. right. But I'm, I'm, you know, I'm so far distance from that now. And like, so, so many years sober, like over a decade sober. And, uh, you know, so I, I feel like I've kind of moved past that part of my life. Um, so I feel like I can talk about it now. And I, and that makes me feel like, you know, I can talk about mental health issues because, you know, I think that's, I think we feel, you know, at least this is how I feel is that when I'm going through depression and, and anxiety and shit like that, it's so like confining that it, you feel like you're just this only person going through this internal struggle. And social media plays a big part in this because um, with social media now, everybody presents themselves as like, the best they've ever been. They're having the most fun. Their lives are the most interesting. Nobody shares like the shit they go through. And so, you know, when, when we scroll through Facebook or scroll, scroll through Instagram, we're seeing these like optimized versions of people's lives. And when, Mm. you know, when we struggle with things like depression, anxiety, mental illness, um, we go, wow, everybody's living this incredible life. And I'm, I'm sitting here, you know, trying to pull myself out of bed, you know, and, uh, yeah. And, you know, so I, I think talking about it more, it, it lets people know that like, Hey, even, even a guy who's, you know, it, it's not like I've got a huge following on Instagram. I've got 99,000 followers or something like that. Um, but e- even a guy who like, you know, is kind of ti- a tiny bit popular, on the internet for photography and it might look like, you know, he has this awesome life where he's traveling to Africa and traveling to Norway and, you know, traveling all over like, no life, life still sucks a lot of the time, you know, not not that I think life in general sucks, but there's shitty parts about life and that's normal. And I think if, if we knew the skeletons in everybody's closet and you know, the shit in everybody's lives, we'd all feel much better about ours, knowing that everybody's going through crap, you know, n- not just us. And we, you know, I, th- I think that would like ease some of the tension I- in ourselves. If we, if we knew like, Hey, everybody goes through this is totally normal because mm. it can feel very isolating when you're going through it. Like why, why me? Why am I going through this? You know, every, everybody I see around me, it, you know, is having an awesome time, but, you know, everybody has crap and all they're showing is the optimized version of their life on, on the internet, you know? So, 
No, absolutely. I'm totally, um, I feel like the, uh, that's, I, I, I'm just, there's more and more studies coming out all the time of the things that we need to be cautious of. I think that there's, uh, you know, there's certain people probably out there that are over the top saying, you know, social media is the worst thing that's happened to us or whatever, yeah. which yeah. obviously is a pretty pessimistic view, which I'm not a fan of, but I do think yeah, I'm on, on board totally with, uh, and to be honest, like that's another thing that, um, uh, what you have right now is people's attention and, uh, you know, how powerful of a, um, what an opportunity to potentially, uh, influence and massively impact people's lives through, uh, just being honest about who you are. And I think that there's a very, like, uh, I don't, I don't think it's that delicate, but there's a balance of, you know, I've definitely seen people and that are like focus on like the, the there's, you know what I'm saying? Like you, if you focus on the negatives too much, then you become a pessimist. Yeah. But then if you're yeah, too optimistic, sure. it's like, Oh yeah, the everything's like sunshine and roses and that's not real. That's not yeah. true. You know? The, absolutely. And you know, so I, I've been trying to talk about it in like, you know, a couple of podcasts I've done a couple magazine interviews, you know, just about the mental health stuff. But, uh, at the same time, I have to, I have to keep in mind like nobody is coming to little old Ryan Dyer for life advice at all. Like I, I, <laughs> I can't, I can't get preachy about it because, you know, I, I'm, I'm the least foremost authority on on how to, <laughs> how to better yourself. Mm. Um, I, you know, I'm just kind of figuring out as I go and, and. Uh, yeah, but yeah. but I think it's good to talk about just to let people know like hey yeah i mean you know my life isn't what you see on the internet right no I and, totally. and i don't want to like have this turn depressing like life is good you know got yeah. a wonderful wife wonderful daughter a great career having fun great friends but despite all that like everybody has you know the crap in their life so Absolutely. i think it's okay to talk about it. yeah and i don't think it's depressing at all there's a um the other part of um, mental health that, uh, um, I think is, it's kind of like, or the way I would describe this is there's the, there's the, um, actual mental health, like when you are diagnosed with a given like known disease or whatever, but then there's an, an, another side of mental health that I think everybody needs to be paying attention to or focusing on. And that's like our, you know, like our, physical health. It's a, it's analogous to our physical health. Um, yeah, for sure. And it's not just like, um, Oh good. I'm not overweight. So like I'm good and I'm just going to keep sitting on the couch. You know, it's like, no, you don't have yeah. a diagnosed disease, but you need to work on your health, both mental and physical to become like a more optimal or like you're saying the best version of yourself. But yeah. the, the best thing that I've heard someone say is, um, Matt Higgins, he's a um, very. He's been a very successful person. He's he is currently a part of RSE um, Ventures, I think it's called, but they're an angel investment company now. And Matt Higgins mm-hmm. was one of the people that uh, first invested in Gary Vaynerchuk, which I'm sure you have maybe seen or come yeah. across. Um, but one, of, I listened to an interview uh, with Matt Higgins, and he said 
that he struggles with not feeling successful. And uh, when you, like he said, I still don't feel successful today. And when I heard that, I was like, oh my gosh, like (laughs) if he doesn't feel successful, like, and he's successful, like, you know, there's nothing yeah. like, but the fact that he said it was first of all, like, wow, that's a good thing to be aware of everyone that is pursuing like what he has. But then the second thing that he said, I thought was even more um, important. And that is um, the struggle that he is in is wanting to be at peace with the current moment and just happy and grateful. But then realizing that it's okay to never feel like you are done, you know, because what he's saying is, I don't feel like I can stop. Like I'm not, I'm not like done living. So I feel like there is more success to be had. And I'm kind of putting words in his mouth at this point, but this is what it means to me. You like, we all are going to basically be unhappy until we can be present and just like at peace with where we're at, but then still strive, like continue on, continue to better yourself, but know that, unless you master the mental side of just remembering and being grateful and being happy today in the moment, which is like, you know, all that we actually ever experience. Yeah. Um, yeah. I just think, um, I, I like, I like what you're saying. I like the, uh, the transparency about all of that. And then just the desire to pursue, um, a better you, like regardless of where you're at. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, Hopefully, hopefully that never changes, you know, the desire to like be a a better version of yourself mm-hmm. and, and, you know, maybe you'll never become that better version of yourself, but, but trying to achieve it, I think is, is important to me at least. Right. Um, this is a, just a random thing that I, uh, have heard you say, but I'm also in the same boat as this, uh, YouTube. So you're you you would are you are what I would call a fan of YouTube, correct? Yeah, yeah, an, an unfortunate fan of YouTube, like like the type of guy who gets sucked into the wormhole of YouTube, and you know it's three hours later, and I God, I haven't accomplished anything today. What am I doing with my life? <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I love YouTube. Right, and so there is that, and I'm also and uh, willingly, or I will admit that as well that there are the black holes, um, that exist, yep. but I am just like blown away by what, uh, YouTube allows people to do that 10 years ago would have no business doing. Um, yeah. and the one example yeah. that I have is, um, just recently I was putting in, um, like an EV or a, it was a motor home plug, but for an electric car, like I wanted to install mm-hmm. it in my house. And, um, you know, I called the electrician, it's going to be like 750 bucks. And, you know, then a half hour later, after like watching 15 different YouTube videos, I finally found, they were all like educating me in the process and what to be careful of. I found a guy who literally like his garage looked exactly like mine. He even had the same like electrical box and it was like, this is what I did. I bought this piece of thing. And he's like going through step by step by step. And there's a video the whole way through the entire process. And I didn't die. <laughs> and I yeah. saved 750 bucks. I was like, and, and then not to mention, the- I felt like a badass and like totally um, accomplished. Like I was just amazing. Yeah. I mean, 
that's that's the true brilliance of YouTube. I mean, there's like the the Casey Neistat's who are like amazing YouTubers, but like the real genius of YouTube is like these little, just you know, random nobodies who you know you'd never know in the world, um, giving little tidbits of knowledge that that you can go, oh, that's useful to me. And you know, all you have to do is type in a few words and search for it, and then boom, like there's this little piece of information that, yeah. But, prior to YouTube, you never would have been able to learn without hiring somebody or like going to a library and searching through thousands of books for one little paragraph on one little stupid thing. Or, Mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, it's, that's the true brilliance of YouTube is like connecting all this, all all this knowledge. Right. What is the craziest, uh, thing or like the, maybe not crazy as in like, I can't believe I did it, but just cool or unique thing that you've, uh, um, you done on with YouTube. I, I, so I've got a, I've got a, an off-roading truck. Like I'm not one of those like, yeah, you know, let's go off-road and go mud and type of guys. Right. But, uh, you know, m- my line of work, you know, takes me like deep into the mountains. And so you have to have a vehicle capable of doing these things. And, uh, um, you know, so in the process of like building my, you know, little off-roading SUV, um, you know, trying to learn stuff uh, about vehicles and, and so I, I put a lift kit on my truck and, and uh, well, I didn't, I, I had somebody do it. Um, but the, the shop that installed it said, yeah, so you have to adjust the camber on, on your um, suspension now, because as you lift a truck, the camber changes and your wheels start to kind of stick at a, sit at a weird angle. Mm. And they're like, we can't get these bolts out to remove uh, the lower control arms, you know, to be able to adjust these bolts. And uh, they're like, we, we spent 10 hours working on it for you and we couldn't get these bolts off. So um, we're done trying basically. <laughs> like, we're not going to do it. And so I was like, oh shit, you know, if this really good shop is not going to do it, like, how is this ever going to happen? Am I just going to drive around with my tires, like sitting at this really awkward angle? Um, and so I decided to try to do it myself. And so I just started searching on, you know, for the topic of, of um, my my issue which is you know getting these seized bolts out of my lower control arms Mm. Um, you know the bolts get in there and they rust and they i mean they basically just become unmovable and uh so i found this random youtube video of this guy talking about how to do it I, i looked through like 50 until i found this one where this guy like actually showed it step by step and it involved a blowtorch a, a like a really gnarly impact wrench, which is like mm-hmm. one of those ones you see it like when you get your your tires rotated, they have with the shops like, right, like right, right. crazy crazy things, uh-huh. and uh, and you know some some certain chemicals and yada yada yada, and so I was like, all right, time to get time to go to Home Depot and you know figure this out. So I bought a blowtorch and, and a big <laughs> impact wrench and like all this crap. And, you know, next thing I know, because of YouTube, I'm like underneath my truck with a blowtorch. I've like, I'm not super technically inclined when it comes to vehicles. And all of a sudden I'm, you know, putting fire on my truck and hitting it with, with a big hammer. And then, you know, um, have this impact wrench that, you know, I'm not nearly man enough to own. Right. And, uh, and it worked, you know, yeah, it was a, it was a pain in the ass, but it, it worked. Yeah. And so that's that, was, awesome. that was one of those things I was like, thanks YouTube. Thanks random guy. Right. And the funny thing to me is like the, 
the people's accounts that you find, it's like they've got like one subscriber and like, I don't know, 60 videos of like the most random crap ever. And then there's like one video that they have that has like 15,000 views. (laughs) It's like there's not one video that like has helped so many people. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, it's funny. Um, so yeah. And I think, um, you also mentioned that you cook. That's another, um, you're, you have a couple of mean like, dishes. Yeah. I, I almost like cooking more than I like, uh, photography lately. It's, it's so much fun. What, I, I never your dish. What's your secret cooking, like, dish? Oh, um, I make a really good, uh, sous vide, um, Kobe filet, which is like the, the crazy Japanese beef with like all the marbling in it. And, mm. and, uh, like a nice Bordelaise sauce on top of that with, I'll do a, um, like a, a, a garlic and thyme, uh, mushrooms and green beans with it. And yeah, I mean, but it, it's not like super fine dining, like, right. But it's, it's, you know, like a sous vide Kobe filet, you know, for me is like, well, I've really done something like right, it's, right. it's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, and so, it tastes. That's the thing. And are you so? Is this also like thanks to YouTube? Ryan now is a great cook, or is there something else that has yeah, led to this? Yeah, so that ties into YouTube too, because my my like biggest black hole on YouTube is going down recipes and you know you know um, cooking channels on YouTube, and that's where I've learned basically everything. You know, mm-hmm. um, I I didn't grow up cooking like you know my my mom or dad weren't like incredible chefs growing up interesting though like my family when when i was raised um, my my dad did most of the cooking and now in my marriage i do most of the cooking um mm. but uh yeah i mean the, i mean the, just with the internet in general there's so much stuff to learn like it, it's just the internet has just revolutionized the world yeah and i'm trying to like take advantage of it as much as I can, you know, as far as like learning information. And then also like, I, I basically run my business on the internet. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, without the internet, I'd, I'd be a caveman eating, you know, rocks. <laughs> True. The, what, it, what that's actually, you just mentioned the business side and running that something that, uh, like another interesting conversation for people that, um, are reaching, you know, various levels of success is kind of, um, and I definitely have, I am horrible at this as far as outsourcing goes, but is there certain things that, um, you've realized I probably should like just have someone else do this, even though I, at least the way that I feel about everything is I can do this. Like I can teach myself how to, you know, build a go-kart from scratch. Like why? Just because like it, it's just to be, that'll be cool. Yeah. And I want to try it, but you know, in business, um, yeah, what stuff, like I'm assuming you probably manage your own website. That's not too far out of the realm of what you're already doing. No. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like you, like if there's something that needs to be done, like I would prefer to learn it and do it myself <laughs> than, than pay somebody, somebody else to do it. Um, like really the only outsourced things are, um, distribution like i i create um tutorial videos and sell those for for you know aspiring photographers um so all the distributions handled by a different company for that 
um, just because I can't be sitting here like Dropboxing, you know, two gigabyte files to, to people all day, every day. Mm. Um, so that's outsourced. Um, and then like, I've got a, a really good accountant. So I, 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 I don't do anything with my taxes, with my finances. I, I don't trust myself to do it. I, I have an accountant and a financial advisor and they just figure it out for me. Um, it's not cheap, but for me, I'm like, I don't want to get in any trouble with, with taxes or, or with, you know, financial planning, right, things like right, that. Right. I just, yeah, the, all, all that's outsourced. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like, I don't, I don't even really keep my own books. I, I, I just, you know, I save all my expenses and, and deductions, things like that, and just give it to my accountant and, and she just handles all of it. Um, but yeah, I mean, otherwise everything, you know, the website, um, you know, the social media stuff, it, you know, I, I, I have a pretty good business. Um, you know, I, I do all right, but at the same time, like it's just, it's a one man business, you know, right. I don't, I don't need any, anybody to do anything. You know, I'm not, I don't need employees. I don't need interns, um, you know, which is good because then all the profit stays here. Right. There's a guy that I, um, knew in a city we used to live in. He owned a coffee shop and I remember him saying that like he has a business partner and they're very, they're still very good friends. There's no like online, as far as they know, they're going to, you know, run this successfully forever. But one of the things that he mentioned, uh, or he said once was, you know, I, I do wish that I, and we both, both people had set, like both partners have acknowledged, man, it sure would be nice if we weren't, if we didn't have a business partner. Because yeah. now you basically to have like you just have to make twice as much money for the two people yep. to now support their families, um, and at the same time they kind of say that um, jokingly because they they do balance yeah. each other and everything. But at the end of the day, yeah, you, you start to realize I probably could have done this by myself, or I didn't need to go into business with yeah. whatever. But yeah, but at the same time, there's a sense of security there um, with having a business partner that you can trust wholeheartedly mm. to to man the ship if something happens absolutely you know family family emergency you know illness with whatever you know you've got somebody there to to um you know take the reins yep um you know in, in my business and not that it happens all the time but like you know if if something happens and i'm you know away um, for weeks at a time traveling, or if, if I'm under the weather, uh, under the weather, or if there's a family emergency, like my daughter just had surgery a couple months ago. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not there to really handle some of the business stuff. Not that there's a ton of stuff, I mean, um, but you know, I'm, I'm sitting there in, in an emergency room, you know, on my phone, you know, trying to, you know, answer emails and keep up to, up to date and dealing with, you know, problems with distribution stuff and, and it's it would be nice just to be able to disconnect right from that a little bit but uh you know th- that and you're probably the same way like before i even get out of bed in the morning i'm i'm going through my email and you know i'm checking up on stuff and and uh you know so it's i i'm trying harder to like when i go on vacation i'm like i'm just going on vacation if there's problems then they'll just dealt with later. Right. You know, so what is, what is vacation for you? What does that actually look like? 
Well, so vacation as a photographer married to another photographer is like we're out in the snow, um, you know, trying to make good pictures or, or, you know, we're like our honeymoon was in Norway and like just kind of hiking around in the pissing rain and kind of being a little bit miserable trying to, to get good photos. Um, it's, it's never like, you know, let's, let's go to the Bahamas and lay on a beach. Right. You know, which is fine for me and fine for my wife. Like that, that isn't our idea of how to use our, our free time. Right. You know, right. but, uh, because, you know, as, as much as photography becomes work and it becomes like this thing I have to do, I still want to do it. And so, you know, when it comes to free time, um, you know, I, I, I don't mind, uh, going out with the camera. I mean, the, the last, the last trip I took that wasn't photography related was, um, to a, a formula one race in, in Austin, Texas. Mm. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, other than that, like everywhere I go, it's, if I'm traveling, it's photography related. Did you just go it, to the one in Texas? Like, I don't know, it was a couple months ago, two months ago or something. The most recent yeah. one. Oh, my mom yeah, was in, down there. In October. Was she? Yeah. Interesting. It's awesome. Yeah. I, uh, I'm a huge formula one fan. Like I don't watch a ton of sports. Like I'm a fan of the Kansas city chiefs. Cause I was, born in Kansas city and it's just in my blood, but, uh, I'm a huge formula one fan. Yeah. My, so my, um, dad passed away eight years ago. Um, mm-hmm. and my mom is now, um, after, you know, eight years of, um, you know, deciding whether or not she was going to remain a widow or not. She's been dating someone who's awesome. Mm-hmm. And he is a huge formula one fan as well. And I didn't know yeah. anything I mean, I guess I, uh, are you, when you, as far as formula one and NASCAR goes for you, are you, is one of them like absolutely not? And the other one you're a big fan of, or are they, are they similar to you? To me, NASCAR and formula one couldn't be more different. Mm. Like I, I can't, I can't sit down and legitimately watch a NASCAR race. Um, sorry to NASCAR fans out there. I can respect what they do right? for sure. Um, you know, and, uh, and, and I, I get that it takes a lot of talent to do that, but I need twisty turns and, you know, open wheel racing. So, right. Right. Yeah. Have you, I'm sure this is something you could find on YouTube. You may have already seen this, the evolution of tire changing in formula one. Oh yeah. Have you seen yeah. that video? And like used to take yeah. them like four and a half minutes and they're like banging yeah. on the wheel. And now I can't, do you know what the, what the speed is for like the record it, tire change? In a yeah. Pit? I mean, it's, it's right around two seconds, yeah. you know, absolutely uh, incredible. like it, now, nowadays, like a good pit stop is like 2.3 seconds, 2.2 seconds. A slow pit stop is like somebody really messed up if you're over three seconds. That's crazy. You know? And that's four tire yeah. changes and gas, right? No. They, so the rules now in formula one, uh, they t- changed them quite a while ago. Um, there's no refueling. So you have to oh. carry fuel for the entire race. So it's just, and so that's just another, the tires. yeah, that's another cool dynamic of like, okay, we have to plan exactly how much fuel we think is going to take to, you know, finish this race. And if, if it comes, you know, down to, to towards the end of the race and we're like, Oh, we don't have enough fuel. You've got to drive more conservative. And you know, that, that kind of keeps things interesting towards the end of a race. Like somebody has to slow down a little bit because 
they they need enough fuel to to finish and oh, so you know all, all of a sudden they're dropping down in the grid and, yeah i did not know yeah I'm, i am uh and that's the other thing that is just probably naive I always, and that's funny that you said, it's maybe a good thing for my own understanding that you said NASCAR and Formula One were so different. Um, yeah. In my mind, NASCAR is like the, uh, what's that comedian, like Jeff Foxworthy and Larry the Cable Guy. Like oh, they yeah, yeah, yeah. are NASCAR fans. Yep. Um, and I always assumed that Formula One fans were also in that group. Um, but it, it seems like, and this is the, the guy that my mom's dating. He is not like, I never in a million years would have guessed that he watches or is interested in race cars. Um, yeah, very like a business guy, very, um, you know, (laughs) just all these stereotypes, very like smart and, you know, it's interesting. For the most part, those stereotypes are true of like, at least like American racing fans, you know, the, one Formula One's really not that popular in, in here in the states. Um, you know, it's huge globally. But uh, you know, they just brought Formula One back to the United States after a long hiatus um, a few years ago, um, just to try to reinvigorate the, the U.S. audience. Um, but uh, yeah, it's it's huge globally, and here in the states, it does seem like you know the the down home country boys are the nascar fans and i i don't mean that in like a derogatory right no way. no that's what i would have thought and then like kind of like the upper class type of of racing viewer um tend to be more formula one fans right and i i'm not i'm probably like the the one guy who's like not the upper class like business type like i don't walk around in suits every day right uh, but uh yeah, I don't know. It's just something I've I've always watched, and uh, yeah, it's it's just really good racing. So, mm-hmm. all right. So moving to towards the uh, the end of this, I do have a couple more questions. Are you still good on time? Yeah, man. All right. So one of the things that I you I didn't have this as a question, but it's made me think because I've had a number of conversations with creatives about this in a variety of different industries. But you mentioned that you teach aspiring photographers. Um, some stuff. What I'm interested in is when did you, um, like on your website now, you say, you know, I'm a professional photographer. Obviously, that's true. You make a living doing it. Um, When did you make the switch? Or did you ever call yourself aspiring? Like, did you ever say in a profile somewhere, like, I'm an aspiring photographer? And was there like a a point Um, where you were like, okay, now I'm professional? Yeah, well... Yeah. So for me, that's a very weird area. Like I, I'm still an aspiring photographer. I happen to, you know, make my living at it. Mm. Um, and and even on my website though, if you read it, I say, you know, I'm, I'm a professional photographer. Um, and then further on down that paragraph, I, I say, um, I use the word professional very loosely. Right. Um, because I don't, I don't like the, the segregation that happens between like pros and amateurs. And, you know, I think we're all learning photography and, you know, just because somebody makes a living doing photography does not make them a better photographer than somebody who, you know, works a day job and does it on the side. Um, Yeah. So I don't, I don't like to use the term professional photographer too much just because I think it sounds 
lame. Mm. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, you know, I as far as like you know business terms go, yeah, I'm a I'm a professional photographer. But as far as the way I feel about photography, I'm I'm still very aspiring. You right, know? And, right. And I, in twenty years, you know, I'll I'll feel the same way. You know, I'm I'm still out there trying to learn and trying to get better. And and uh, you know, whenever whenever I'm done aspiring, then. I think I'll just be done with photography in general. Like I'll just be over it. Right. If I'm not aspiring to, to keep growing on it. That's an interesting, I like the way that you phrase that. And it was not what I was anticipating because when I've like talked to kids that are in college, um, or even I talked to, um, a woman who is kind of on like a third or fourth career. She, I mean, I think, I don't, I have no idea how old she actually was, but I'm going to say most likely above 50. And she was saying how she is an aspiring speaker, author, and something, you know. And I, yeah. I personally just have a hard time. I, or I guess I should say, I respect and empathize with people that say that because I feel like it's coming from a level of respect and humility. Um, yeah. But I also very strongly believe that, like, to me, the difference between an aspiring speaker. And, an, and a professional speaker or an aspiring photographer and a professional photographer is what I decide to call myself. Be, and what I mean by that is like professional, it, it's just like such a, and I think I'm in line with the way that you used aspiring, which is not how I just used it. And to me, that is the way you're saying it is you're aspiring to be better all the time. Whereas I think yeah. other people say I'm aspiring to become professional to become professional, right. yeah. Which is I just think that's a trap because you're professional. The day that you just you wake up and say you know like damn it I'm a professional photographer and I'm going to make a living doing this if that's what you want. Yeah. Um, but at the same yeah. time, I also I mean kind of sounds like what you're saying is the professional term, and I I would kind of say this it doesn't even need. I mean, you probably, you just say to people, I'm a photographer, you know, it's kind of like, you know, I would imagine LeBron James doesn't walk around and say, I'm a professional basketball player. You know, he just plays basketball, you know? Yeah. I, yeah. And that's kind of on my bio in my site. That's, that's, that's why I kind of say, you know, I use that term really loosely because, you know, really I'm just some, you know, douchebag with a camera. So, um, can you teach anyone photography? Um, and I guess maybe this is like a two part, like just photography in general or the stuff that you are, that you get paid to teach. Um, is this something that you feel like anybody can learn this or, um, is there a level of like innate skill that's needed or, or like talent? Yeah, that's, it's something I've actually pondered quite a bit, you know, just in, in teaching people photography photography for so many years and, you know, editing images, things like that. Um, I definitely think it can be taught to pretty much anybody, but more than teaching the technical, like step-by-step, here's how you do this. And here's how you do this. And then you do this. It's more about teaching people the why of, of what they're doing. Like, why would you do this? When would you do this? Mm. You know, what, what's the reason for making this choice? Um, you know, because that has a lot more to do with it than saying, Oh, okay. You change this setting. And then, you know, 
then your camera works better, whatever, you know, this shutter speed is, is best for this scene. You got to explain, okay, why is, is this the choice you need to make? Or, um, you know, more, more the theory behind things. Once somebody understands the theory and, and kind of how to see, um, uh, see an image and pre-visualize something, um, then the skill set is just, it falls into place easily. You know, so it's more about building that foundation. But I, I do think that's something everybody can learn, mm. you know, any, anybody who wants to learn it. Right, right. You know, you've with a lot of art, I think you, you have to really like give a damn about it and, and be stoked on it to to really settle in and focus and dedicate the time and energy to something that ultimately like isn't all that interesting, you know, like taking a photo of a mountain, like at the end of the day, it's kind of, I mean, it's not like I'm, you know, going out and shooting hoops with, with my buddies. Like it's this weird kind of nerdy thing almost, mm. but, uh, but yeah, I mean, you, you have to really spend the time, but I think anybody can learn it. Right. It, it's just, uh, it, it's more about your dedication to learning it the right way. And then another, I don't know if you've been asked this before, but um, you teach all of your uh, the subject of your courses is always landscape, correct? Yeah. I, I mean, I don't do anything with a camera that isn't nature photography related. Okay. Like I dabble in a little bit of wildlife, but that's still kind of in the nature photography genre. Right. Um, what I'm but, curious uh, is, yeah, is I mean, would you say that um, uh, someone that does like, um, I, I guess it's almost like a, you know, the, the generalist, as far as a photographer goes, would they find yeah. value in your courses or do you probably have to be a nature photographer, um, to like really enjoy it or feel like it was a good investment? I think there are, are things they could pick up that would translate to different styles of photography, mm -hmm. but yeah, it's all definitely more directed towards the landscape and nature photographers out there. Right, right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause I, um, am, I just, I know several people that do like, um, event photography or, um, obviously yeah, portrait or yeah, stuff yeah. like that, which I'm sure is you're using the same tool Photoshop. Um, so yeah, that makes sense what you said. Yeah. I, I definitely wouldn't recommend them buy my courses. Right. Um, you know, there's, there's better courses directed towards their genre, but, uh, mm -hmm. Yeah. So what is, what does, what is success for you? Oh man. Um, I, I mean, financial success is always nice. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and, and I've, I've, I'm not, you know, wildly financially successful, you know, but I, I'm able to, you know, take my camera and, and, you know, make a, a good middle-class income. Um, you know, that to me is part of my success. Um, another part of my success would be, and this is something I'm still working on is not allowing photography as a job to make me dislike my photography as a hobby and a passion, which it, it, it had started to for a little while. And I'm, you know, kind of coming out of that little slump of, of not being enthusiastic about photography. Um, <clears throat> so that's another success I'm, I'm trying to, to, uh, 
to build is and, and that ties in with you know just happiness in general and, and feeling like I've got a well-balanced life mm. and for me like that's that's number one priority for myself right now is a well-balanced life as far as you know family and marriage and business and friendships and travel and things like that and you know, it's so hard to spin all those plates. Right. Uh, and so to me, like I'll, I'll feel truly successful when I've managed to, to spin all those plates. And if any of them has to fall, I'd rather have business fall than, than marriage, than, you know, uh, being a father, things like that. Um, but you know, I, I, I am actively, you know, working on trying to build a sustainable business. You know, th- that's an, another success is, you know, you, you can, you can start to do really well and feel comfortable. And then all of a sudden business starts, you know, going downhill and, and uh, you know, that's the motivation that keeps me like striving to, you know, to, to keep this business strong is like, I, I lay in bed at night and I go, Oh, it's, you know, am I still going to be, you know, doing this 10 years from now? You know, what if, what if all of a sudden, like I start sucking at photography and nobody cares about, about what I do or who I am and, you know, I, I make no money. Right. You know, so, um, yeah, having a sustainable business is another form of success, you know, something that's going to be there 20 years down the road, you know? So. Yeah. And I guess I, part of me feels like the, uh, as a, you are, I mean, as an entrepreneur, business owner, um, something that was very like, I don't know if I ever actually, as I'm just thinking about this for the first time, I, people used to always ask me like, you know, how are things going? And it was like, I, they're good. I, I mean, I'm, I still have a business and everything, but I never like, I never knew what the next client was beyond like, I think it was maybe like three months maximum was like the farthest out that I had like guaranteed income. But and the funny thing, yeah. It? But the funny thing is, is that I never knew what was going to happen for in the next three, like three months out. But it was no matter when you asked me, and when three months came, I had work, and I didn't know what was coming in the next three months. And you just kind of like get into this, at least for, and I don't know if this is similar for what you're doing, but I feel like at a certain point, I just was like, yeah, it's life. Like there's uncertainty in the future. But, you know, we're working and we're going to, like, continue to make phone calls and reach out to people and plan and experiment and, you know, you just kind of do it. I'm still trying to get to that point. I don't think I'm I'm as evolved as you are there because, like, that'll keep me up at night. Like, you know, okay, what about next year? What about 10 years from now? And, you know, I, I don't use that worry as a as a reason to just be scared and, and – you know, kind of become stagnant. I, I use the fear as a motivator for sure. Like, okay, well, you know, when I start worrying, it's time to work harder and work smarter. And, you know, I don't, hopefully do you, tell you know, me if this, right, if you but. think this makes sense, cause this is, I feel like where, uh, I should clarify that. I don't think that I like, um, have mastered not, how do I say this? I haven't mastered not caring about it or just like being at peace but I, I started trusting like the skills that I was developing, which yeah. I knew I like, I could likely make money 
whether it's like the actual business or like, you know, there's, there's, all, there's like the uh, fear setting. I don't know if you've heard of that, but you like think of the worst things that could happen to you and you list them out and then think of like, what are all the things you could do to prevent those things from happening? And then the third column is even if all of those things, you do, you do everything to prevent it and it still happens, like now you're in the worst case scenario, what could you do to get back to where you are today? And that was like the, that kind of mindset of, I knew after a certain point that even if like the, like the world ended in my world, you know, in my business, yeah, yeah. I was still going to be able to get back to where I was today. And I wasn't going to be like living in a gutter. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. That That's actually really interesting that it's something I'll have to look into because that sounds like a good therapeutic thing that I could benefit from is going through that practice. Yeah. It's called, I think Tim Ferriss actually, um, if I can find it, I'll try and send it to you and I'll include it in the show notes for anyone else that's interested, but awesome. it's, yeah, uh, absolutely. yeah, it's interesting. Uh, and you could do it with ever with anything, like whether it's, uh, yeah, I don't know, relationships or, um, uh, it just like mapping out, like, what are you actually afraid of? Name it. And then let's come up with what we can do to prevent it. Um, and, you know, tip some, and then, and then, then come up with, yeah. And with then the, the next step, which people don't do um, yeah. is okay. Yeah. You, you try to prevent it. It still happens, but you're okay. You can get back to where you are today. Um, yeah. And it kind of dissipates the fear quickly, at least from my experience. That's actually really cool. Oh yeah. If you, if you find that link, send it over to me. Cool. Um, all right. Well, that is all the questions um, that I have I, or like topics. I, one thing that I do just for fun, um, I've got just some closing um, book recommendations. Do you have any book recommendations for the listeners? Oh, man. Um, the most I, I just started Michelle Obama's book, um, but I'm not I'm not through it enough to, to recommend it. The last really moving book I read um, it was called Etched in Sand. Um, it's this story of um, of a family of, of of young girls and and a boy, all siblings, growing up in poverty with a you know no father in the picture and um, an alcoholic and drug addicted mother and them going through the system. And it focuses on um, the story of the one girl and her life and um, how she, you know, came through that, um, that whole system and the, the, the things that it taught her and ultimately becoming a lawyer and, um, and sitting on the, uh, the board for, I think it's somewhere in New Jersey. Um, but uh, uh, yeah, just an absolutely fabulous book, gut wrenching at times. Um, but, totally inspiring um etched in sand is, mm. is what it's called so that's that's a good one i'd recommend awesome um movie recommendations movie recommendations i just watched last weekend um on on the re- recommendation of uh my father-in-law a movie called jeremiah johnson uh, it's a movie from the 70s about this um this guy you know kind of trying to come into the Rocky mountains and, and make it in the world um, takes place in like the early, uh, more like the mid 1800s. And uh, 
it's really good because I'm into the whole like, you know, kind of wilderness, you know, mm. living off the land type of stuff. Um, that's good. Um, Goodfellas is my favorite movie of all time. Um, God, what else is there? I like the, honestly, the uh, Jeremiah Johnson. Um, I used to, when I asked this question, I'd like preface it with all this information, like my this weird thing that I do with movies. But I'm a big ratings guy. Um, do you use IMDb at all? Yeah, sometimes. So my, this is my, uh, I think it's probably my engineering side coming out. This is definitely not, well, I, it could be cre- considered creative, but anytime I get a recommendation from someone, I always go to IMDb and look up the rating. And yeah. obviously there's a lot of factors, but they're users, which is, I think the most important part. Yeah, and I sure. never watch a movie that's below a 7.3. And um, unless the person, like if I found out this is below 7.3, which actually, I don't know if you can guess unless you're already looking it up. Do you want to guess what? Jeremiah Johnson. Yeah, what that's rated um, out of 10. I'm guessing I'm guessing it's probably around a 5. Because it's a 7.6. So, um, is it really? yeah. Okay. But and do, do you say a 5? Because that's you were like, it was okay. Or did you actually like it? You just thought other people wouldn't. I I actually liked it, but I'm a sucker for kind of um, like westerns and wilderness stuff. Right, uh, right. You know, just just do, doing what I do. Mm-hmm. You know, spending so much time alone in the mountains. But uh, um, yeah, because the I, the thing is though that if someone like if I told like if I were to look this up and it was a six point eight, I'd tell you. So you now have a moment of truth here. I give everybody one mulligan. And you can recommend that I watch a movie that's below 7.3. But if I watch okay. it and I don't like it, then I never take your recommendations again. <laughs> <laughs> I dig that. So, it's a good strategy. But, but at my, I honestly, at, I, I can say very confidently, I've shared this with a lot of people, as long as it's not a comedy. Comedies are way too hard to like get across the board like in yeah. line with it, you know? But if it's just a yeah. general like adventure, drama, crime, thriller, whatever, those, it's if it's a, it doesn't mean that ba- if it's below that, it's a bad movie, which is why we have the mulligan introduced. But if it's above it, there's like a ninety eight percent chance that you're gonna leave the movie and be like, yeah, you know, it was worth my time. I'm glad I watched it. Um, you know, it was a good movie. It doesn't mean that it's like award winning, yeah. but you're not going to waste your time watching it. And that was the thing that like, I experimented with this for a couple of years, trying to figure out like, where should I draw the line? Cause there's so many movies to watch and I'd get people to say like, Oh, you have to see this. And I'd watch it. And I was like, this was terrible. Like I just didn't, whatever. So anyways, for what it's worth, yeah. your father-in-law has great taste in movies. You can let him know. Oh, no, I know. I I told him that I was like, man, you 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 really knew a good recommend recommendation for me. He's a great guy. I've got like the best in laws. That's awesome. But uh, um, had, okay, last movie recommendation. Uh, did you see Lion? Uh, that's about the guy who from India, right? And he goes like uses yeah. Google Earth to like find yeah. his. Yeah, that was awesome. Yeah, that was. I I've never cried so hard in front of my wife. Like I was. I was sitting there like, you know, doing the like almost convulsing. I'm crying so hard. Mm. We were just like holding each other tears, you know, just pouring out of our faces. Incredible movie that I'll never watch again because 
I don't like to cry that hard to break. I don't like to break down like that in front of my right. wife. Um, that, well, yeah, that is a, and again, 8.1 on IMDb. That's a, another, if anyone that hasn't seen that, I would definitely recommend it. Um, I don't know if so I good. cried in that one, but if, since we're talking about crying in movies, the, uh, the one that got me, and I think it's because, um, I was watching it while holding like my six month old daughter, um, oh, just man. like, yeah, you, you already know, doomed. Yeah. And I can't, I'm now I'm spacing. It's the, it's the, um, movie about the the kid that has the face deformity um and how oh, shoot this is embarrassing older older movie no it just came out like a year ago um okay and the guy he wears a sp- like a astronaut helmet all the time because he's embarrassed in school um wow this is i'm gonna have to look it up and just edit this in post because i cannot think of it but anyways it's this movie of this kid that um uh, you know, basically is the family is like super protective of him because he has this from birth. He just has a deformity and they like are wanting to shield him and they like have the super loving environment at home. But he also yeah. wears this astronaut helmet all the time. So anyways, he goes to school and he makes some friends, has some people make fun of him, you know, just this great like growing up story. But it's also yeah. like a really powerful story for parents i think and that's for me it was just like imagining the the terrible things that people might say to your kids and how you want to protect them from it but you oh, can't uh, yeah so i i couldn't imagine going through that all the yeah if uh if you um if, if you think it's that good i'll definitely go watch it like i'll do it tonight boy all right i'm just taking one second boy with google's awesome i said movie about boy with astronaut helmet and it's called wonder um, wonder that's the movie the, the, so, wonder kid or wonder it's just wonder What's it? it came out in wonder. 2017 okay. that's an 8.0 on imdb um i will watch it tonight yeah man. it's it is a i think it has who's the um owen wilson and um uh another i thought there was a um oh julia roberts that's it owen wilson and julia roberts awesome. as the parents fantastic movie super can't go wrong yeah. there yeah. so anyways all right um i think i've taken enough of your time uh but yeah this has been super fun thank you for uh humoring me and our audience and uh yeah dude good I, luck. Had, I had a blast with really good with one of the better conversations i've ever had on a podcast Sweet. so i appreciate it well man. it's because i i it's actually uh i did i've come across a lot of big time photographers but the one thing that made me go like, cause I always try and do my research to some degree before just reaching out to strangers. But I listened yeah. to a couple podcasts that you were on and I was really intrigued by, uh, like you, you talked about on this, just the, you don't want to only be about photography, which I think is cool, but also surprising yeah. for someone that's that good, you know? So anyways, it was, it was, yeah, no, I, I try to shed a lot of that ego bullshit that comes with having followers on on instagram but yeah thanks again ryan and uh really appreciate it this was fun all right and that is a wrap thank you all for joining for this episode hope you enjoyed it uh go ahead and follow ryan dyer on instagram um and you can find me on instagram as well uh love the people that are um, commenting and sending in questions for future episodes and you can also go to the website chriskiefer.net um, and see some other blogs and just content that I'm putting out. Thank you, and here is the bonus content. Enjoy, guys. You're listening to the Pursuit of Purpose podcast. 
Wisdom, stories, and advice from successful entrepreneurs and inspirational people. So. And actually, I just thought of one thing. If you have, do you have another five minutes? For sure. So man. this is another, uh, speaking of like ego and whatnot, um, on, I don't remember which, at which podcast it was, but I heard you talking about, um, and I think I'm, I had to look it up cause I was like, I used urban dictionary, but comp stomping, is that correct? Oh uh, yeah. Okay. So, so yeah. Explain comp, what that so, is comp, comp, for, for the non landscape photographers out there. Comp stomping is when somebody, um, copies your composition. Like, so they, they look at your photo and they go, I want to create that exact same photo and they go out and like I've, I've seen it where like people are walking around with a photo pulled up on their phone, trying to find like the exact place the photographer was standing so they can create their own exact version of that, um, which is um, kind of frowned upon in our industry. But, Do uh, you, yeah, that's, so that's, that's, what, that's what I wanted to, my question or the follow-up was like, I don't know, is, are you, do you frown upon that as well? Or is it, are, and I don't I, mean like super negative, but are you kind of like, yeah, I mean, yeah. rise above it? Or are you like, nah, whatever? For the most part, I'm like, nah, whatever. Um, you know, it, I kind of talked about this earlier. Like, you know, when you're first getting into an art form, like playing the guitar or whatever, like nobody picks up a guitar and writes their first song. People pick up a guitar and they play smoke on the water. Right. Um, it's the same thing with photography. So, you know, some of the best ways to learn how to take good photographs is to um, look at really good photographs and try to make your own versions of them. I think that teaches the eye what to look for, but at a certain point in your journey through art, um, most people want to go away from writing cover songs and they want to make their own music. And uh, that's at the point I've been at in, in my journey through this art form for, you know, a long time. But I, I definitely did play cover songs when I, when I first picked up a camera. Um, so I, I can understand it. Sometimes it gets annoying, but at the same time, I'm like, eh, I mean, who, who am I to judge what they're doing with the camera? Yeah. Uh, are, if they're out there happy, having fun, God bless, you know, do whatever you want. It, it, at the end of the day, it doesn't affect me at all. Right. And I guess the, so my, this is my, I guess I can say things like this about the photography industry. Cause I don't like, I'm not known for any photography at all, but my thought is like, I guess like, I'm glad you brought up the cover song example because to me, first of all, are the, are the people that are copying the photos are, is the person, the original taker of that? Do they post all of their composition settings? Yeah, so is, it, is that how yeah, it like works? Where they just like, the I can go do what Ryan goes, did, sort of? The composition is more how the elements lay out in the scene. It's not so much, you know, exposure settings you used on your camera, but like, you know, standing in the exact same place and, 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 uh, you know, creating the exact same scene. The river comes out of this corner in a certain way, and the mountain is sitting on the, on, you know, the top third of the frame over here, and you've got, you know, this other little element right there and it's, everything's identical except for, you know, uncontrollable, uncontrollable conditions like the weather. But, uh, huh. yeah, I mean, I don't normally go around 
saying exactly where I took my photographs. Um, you know, I'll, I'll give general details like, Hey, this was in, you know, the San Juan range of the Colorado Rockies. Um, but I won't be like, I was standing right here and it's this river or, you know, it, I hiked, you know, 1.3 miles up this trail and then took a left for, you know, 200 meters. Right. Right. Uh, or just drop but, uh, a pin yeah, of where you were at on Google maps. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Because I don't, a lot of these places I'm going to are sensitive lands. And, you know, when you have a lot of people looking at your images, I feel it's a responsibility to not send tons of people into these sensitive areas. Mm-hmm. So I'll, I'll give a general, you know, idea of, you know, where this was taken, because I think that's important to, to say, this is a photo of this place, right. but yeah, I'm for sure, for sure not going to drop a pin, right, right. but people will still go out there and spend a lot of time searching for that exact location. Cause I guess the thing that, or I could, it's easy to say, cause I'm not a, 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 a photographer, Um, I almost said professional photographer, but we just had that conversation. (laughs) Um, I'm not a photographer um, in, and so, but what I feel like is, and what I've always heard about in like business and stuff is if someone's following you or, or sorry, I should say, if someone is copying you, like by definition, you are now a leader. So, and you may not feel like a leader, but the, I guess, I don't know. I kind of feel like ideally um, I would want to be totally fine with someone just being like, oh, I want to do what Chris did. I guess the place where I feel like maybe most of the like hurt or frustration comes from is when someone copies me. It's like, oh, I just thought of the perfect example. It's like when I tell a joke, you know, there's the, everyone has like the mm-hmm. super funny kid or maybe you were the funny yeah, kid yeah. and then you'd say a joke and then your friend would like say the joke louder and all the girls would laugh and like him. Yeah. You're like, what the hell, man? Like that was did, my it, joke. Yeah, it does. It does get like that. And the proper etiquette in our little industry of nature photography is if it's something you copied, then you give shout out to who credit yeah. to. Yeah. You, yeah, you shout out the, uh, the original artist. Um, and most people don't. Right. But right. you know, I, I, I respect more the people that, that do like give me credit if they've copied, copied something from me. I mean, I'm not saying it happens all the time, but uh, if, if they have copied me, then maybe they say, Hey, yeah. Inspired by, you know, Ryan Dyer to, to shoot this scene. And I'm like, cool, whatever. It, but if they don't credit me, then it's, it's like, uh, would have liked to mention, but right. you know. And I think the other part of it is, which is why I think I admire. And I feel like, you are probably more secure than most photographers or at least photographer. Maybe everyone's doing the, like has the ability to do the amount of editing that you do. But in my opinion, um, especially as phones continue to get better and better and better, supposedly like, or, you know, this comp stomping, I feel like is going to just start happening and is happening all the time with people who have no freaking clue what they're doing just because they like, and I, I mean, I'm thinking, the number of photos that are taken of the same monuments is one thing, but even yeah. like as people start venturing out and they just have a really nice camera on their phone and then they continue to get better and better and better. But what's going to be more valuable is the creating that can happen after the fact or with like blending sure. multiple images or whatever. I think that stuff is cool. Um, and like everybody's going to be able to be a, you know, quote unquote photographer, with the phones in five years, you know, if they continue to improve yep. like they have. So the next 
place for artists to explore is like, you know, deeper into the creating, and I don't even want to say editing, creating in Photoshop. Um, Anyways, that's my non-photographer opinion. Yeah, I feel the exact same way. I mean, you look at Instagram, there's this funny Instagram account. I think it's called like Insta Repeat or something like that, um, where this guy goes and he finds all the identical images on, on Instagram and compiles them into like this big grid and posts it of like, basically it's, it's the same. Oh, I'm looking at it now. That's funny. Shot. Yeah. The, the same scene shot over and over and over by popular Instagram photographers. Um, and I, I look at it. I'm like, that's really funny that, you know, every, it, it be, it becomes less about the photography for me and when people are shooting like that and it's it seems more about um more about building an audience and less about building a portfolio of work you know they they look at you know this photo did really well on instagram so let's go create that photo so i can do really well on instagram Mm. you know which if that's your motivation that you know god bless like who am i to judge right right you know i you know and that's i feel like that's the best vibe which is or the best unlike perspective which is in my opinion the market is the like the market is right it wins you know and that's who whose opinions really matter and yeah. uh it's I, don't, I guess part of me feels like the only way that someone could truly be like upset is if someone did it and then became more successful than they were um in which case i can appreciate the frustration but then the other part of yeah. me is like well, you've got to do like they maybe have they're doing other things in their business or promoting or whatever that is yeah. effective. And that's something that you need to learn from. You know, it's just like it's very hard to for sure. Um, yeah, it's hard to especially like even books and stuff. I just feel like the more that I read or look into things or music, it's like there's only so much like truly new new stuff that's never been done before you know like we all see stuff constantly and then we're trying to like do our best to put our own personal spin on it um but anyways i don't know i just thought when i heard that i was like whoa comp stomping like i just expanded my vocabulary first of all and uh then i was just it was intriguing so thanks for sharing that with all of us non-photographers no worries man no worries. All right. Well, I think that is going to be my first ever like bonus clip because we did officially end the episode. And so this will go after the very end comments. Um, so this is a fun little experiment. But yeah, thanks again, Ryan. And uh, really appreciate Dude, it. This was fun. And I will be sure to uh, send you a link when I when I get all this done. It's probably going to take about... I've got a couple episodes stacked up because I've gotten behind in editing. But I'm trying to get like three out this week and then yours would be in like two weeks or maybe two and a half weeks. So I'll let you know. Cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. Send me it over. That way I can put it on, on my social media stuff. Cool. All right.